Oh, good morning, Grace United Family Church, and I would like to welcome you to our annual Youth Sunday service. It's uh, our service entirely run by all the youth. Uh, I've been blessed with the opportunity to preach. This will be my third time. Um, Liam Pfeiffer is going to come after me and spread his message. This is his second time. As me and Liam were trying to figure out what we wanted to, to preach this Sunday, we decided that we always have to include a youth's point of view. Right now, the church is run by adults. It always has been. And it's important that the adults understand how the kids see the world. Because without that, there's a lack of communication. So this Sunday, we decided to tie the current day teachings in the church with past generations' teachings. And Liam's going to be covering Jesus' teachings, comparing what's been lost in, in timeline. And as I was thinking about that, I was, I was, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, if you told my dad what life was like today and what was being preached to people, what was commonly being preached, he'd think that we'd lost the Cold War and that Antichrist was emperor. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Moving from this present day back way, 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 way back into the 1940s and 1950s after we're recovering... <laughs> I was born in 2005. That's way back. It's like 100 years back. Anyway, my grandparents grew up in the church. They always have been. They always go to church. Now, I wanted to know what the gospel was like for them, what was commonly preached. And their answer sort of, sort of surprised me. Um, they talked about how everyone claimed Christianity. You don't know that. Everyone went to church on Sunday, and everyone had a Bible. Oh, you didn't go to church? Well, you were either a criminal or an outcast. Those are the two things. But they said that they never went in deep into the Bible. They never, they just scratched the surface. That was the thing for them, is you went to church on Sunday, you went back home, and you lived your life. That was how they grew up. And as they got older and older, they started to realize, this isn't normal, and I want more in-depth teachings. And that's what they've now believed. So for me, I like to compare different things to common objects and stuff that we all understand. So I like to call our different timelines and our different generations after certain objects. I like to call our post-World War II period the Painite Age. Now, I know probably knows what Painite is, but Painite is one of the most rare materials on this earth. It is completely natural. You can't make it synthetically. And it costs between 50 to 60 grand a natural carrot. It's one of the most rare materials. It was found in the 50s, and it took a while to figure out a name for it. Now, that's pretty much as rare to us as it would be to discover a town that's just like in the 1940s and 50s. Everyone goes to church. I can guarantee you that you will never find a town where everyone goes to church. You just, it just won't happen. It's how we live our life these days. Moving forward in time, I wanted to look at our Cold War era. So I asked our Pastor Glenn and my dad for, for their stories. That's their childhood. And uh, when I asked Pastor Glenn, he was very excited to give me a testimony and a story about what it was like for him. When he was serving in the Air Force, a new friend, an acquaintance, not, not, a, not a common friend, asked if he wanted to go to a, a serviceman's church just outside of town. A complete stranger, pretty much. That was, that was common. 
And, you know, one thing led to another, and now we have our wonderful pastor of nine years still preaching to this day. And when I asked my dad about this, he had a different side of the story. He grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania in the mountains. To him, evangelism was pretty much useless. His perspective was just as if it was in the 1940s and 50s. Everyone went to church. You came back home Sunday. You just lived your life. Everyone had a Bible. You just went to church. But that was in a town. So I, I have asked more and more people. I asked my mom. And evangelism was starting to become more and more key. Because Christianity in and of itself was falling away from becoming the norm. You know, you had your family down the street who didn't believe. You had your homeless person on the corner who didn't believe. And it started to become more and more normal to not believe. So evangelism, this was the evangelism period. I like to call our World War, our Cold War era the Golden Age. So, yeah, it's nice. It's, it's sort of expensive at $58 a gram. It's not a common object, but it's made out of most jewelry. You've got different types of gold. You've got rose gold, you've got white gold, you've got yellow gold, and you have different carrots, different purity. I like to think that the different purity can signify different types of Christians. None of us can reach 25, 24 carats. It's literally impossible. We can't be 100% pure. We're all sinners deep down inside. But we can try and become as close to that as possible. Meanwhile, you've got your 14 carat, you've got your 8 carat Christians that are unpure, don't really care, slap the title on, let's move on. Um, yeah. So I'm not the only one that figured out that there's a huge difference in what the norm is just between those two eras. From the testimonies alone, there's a huge difference. Okay. In that time span that my papa had two kids, the church had dropped in popularity, but the comprehension, the depth, hadn't changed a bit. There was still lack of depth in the teaching. You still went to church every Sunday and claimed that title, but you had, you had the weird couple next door. Becoming more and more common. So, oh joy, there we go. Thank you, God. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now we've got that. Pretty much, yeah. Should all be trying to be fourteen karat Christians. Let's go. Okay. So now we've got that difference. I decided I should have a '90s and an early 2000s testimony. That's our next period in history. That's the major. It's major time. And this is when I turned to Natalie and I turned to my sister, being fresh new adults from this church itself. Uh, Natalie had an amazing perspective that she showed me. She talked about the silent, quiet upbringing of prosperity gospel, how it was starting to become more and more common to have this all-loving Jesus and God who will never condemn you to hell. That's just not how it works. That is not how that works. And when I asked my sister about the very same topics, she had the very same answer. There was... Again, a, lap, a, a lapse in teachings, there was a, a lack of depth, and there was an upbringing of prosperity gospel. Okay, this is what I like to call our amethyst period. Everyone knows what amethyst is. It's a form of emerald. Okay, it's, it's widely known. It's widely used for jewelry because it's extraordinarily, it's about $2 a carat versus 50,000, okay? 
it costs pretty much less than your Kroger bell pepper. That's how much it's worth. Okay. Now I gotta find my spot again. Yeah, Kroger bell pepper. No one cares about amethyst, but it's still used in jewelry because it's pretty stone. Other than being a pretty stone, it has literally no use at all. Gold is an excellent conductor. It's used in all sorts of technology, and it's even used in spacecraft. NASA uses it. Diamonds is used as an industrial cutting material because of its hardness. And ruby, the stone, is actually used in laser technology. Amethyst looks pretty. No one cares. Now, yeah, different types of amethysts actually, for some reason, have different worths. You've got uh, your little raw crystal that you can find in your gift shops in the Midwest. And that's been raw, that's polished, and it's put in on a cover. I like to think that as your Christian that just slaps the title on. They've been polished, they've been cut, they're not, they're lying to you that it's actually worth something. Okay, and then you have your actual raw geode amethyst. This is the ones where you actually can crack open the rock. Everyone sees those. And for some reason, those are worth more. Because it's cool, everyone likes to see the, the crystal in the stone. Now, that is actually true to what it is. It's a rock. It's literally a rock. It's crystal inside of a rock. I like to think that that doesn't have a cover on it. it you can't really polish it. That's staying true to what it is, like a Christian. Throughout the, timeline, throughout the timeline, the thing that has remained the same is the lack of depth in the church. Through each individual testimony, the main thing is the lack of depth, the lack of deep teachings. Okay. However, one difference is hellfire being preached. In the 1940s and 50s, that was common. Because, you know, we had just recovered from World War II and everyone was saying, yeah, sinners go to hell. It became less and less common because you've got your pastors that just want that checked. You know? A generation's worth of knowledge changed from preaching absolute hellfire to absolute love and unity for all. You know, why, why would we let that happen? How could that even happen? How? Because it's, it's the same Bible two times. Jesus' word. We didn't go in deep enough for the kids. It's always the kids. The kids are the most important. If you don't teach your kids right, they teach their kids wrong. And then their kids teach their kids wrong. So now I finally got into my part of the sermon with my testimony. My 2010, 2020s version of Christianity. Now this is when you really see prosperity gospel literally thriving in the church. Big churches, that's what they preach, is absolute love for all. Okay? It thrives while blatant sinners are welcomed into the church with open arms. Any sin is tolerated and literally encouraged. You like abortion? Oh, that's encouraged as a literal constitutional right. Okay? Gay rights? That's a great point of view for the church to include. Now, oh, you said you talked about church discipline? I'm sorry, I thought you meant hate crime. Okay, yeah, as long as you come inside the church with a fair-sized check in your back pocket, you can get away with just about anything. Those red words that my father talked about, Jesus' words, they're thrown out of the book. Those are hateful, those are incorrect. Those aren't even included. Jesus is, is literally tossed out of the church these days. I like to call my era, this age, the euphonite age. I know that probably no one knows what euphonite is. Disgusting. It is um, 
<laughs> decomposed compressed um, frog brain. It's the frog skull in the brain that's been composed. And it's, <laughs> it's supposedly a mystic stone. It cures any and all diseases as long as you rub it on yourself or you eat it. If you believe that your headache is going to be cured by eating dead frog brains, I want to see you eat a dead frog brain. That's funny. Okay? It's an ugly brown and a fake promise, just like this country's soul. Okay? Everyone believes that they have their little care, they have their little nugget of truth. Okay? When it's literally worth less than garbage. You can pay me to cut that. Okay, we went from such highs to such lows in the span of a single lifetime. You know what it is? It's the lack of fathers. It's the lack of stable homes. It's the lack of responsible Christians. You want to cry about how it's not fair? Blame the parents and blame yourself. Kids are like sponges. They soak up everything, and if you don't teach them the right, the right way, they soak up the bad juices and pass it on to others. It's the politicians, it's the teachers, it's the pastors. It's everyone and everything. It's the enemy. The enemy has started to crawl his way into this country generation by generation. And eventually, he's succeeded. Because now we're done. Okay? This is his job. We've been warned about it our entire lives. The book of Revelation, the literal spoil, spoiler, spoiler alert, to the end of the earth. We know it's going to happen. We know it's always going to happen. So we can be surprised, but we've been warned. Uh, you've all had time to prepare and harden your exterior, the older generation, back. For us, for me, we've just been tossed into the deep end and told to swim or drown. What? Uh, different generations look at the cross and the Bible, and they see different things. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul told us, For the word of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. We understand the significance of these things because we've been tested and tried. Okay? My grandparents look at the book and they see the Word of God. They also see their generation's norm. They went to church every Sunday. It's what they do. It's in their DNA. My father looks at it and sees the Word of God and understands the importance of it because he's been tested in trials. Persecution was starting to become more and more common. Okay? He understands that he is blessed with having the pushback from his peers. But he also sees a book that some would laugh at and grind into the dirt. My sister looks at this book and sees the utter glory of God and the complete grace of him. Okay, But she also sees a book laughed at, dismissed, and hated. And finally, when I see that cross and read this book, I can't fathom the absolute magnitude of what I've been blessed with. The literal word of God. And I've been able to read it and study it. Okay? But my generation understands how hated these two items are. It's in our schools, it's in our churches, it's everywhere. People lose their lives because of this book. People lose their homes, their families, and their jobs. I can see the good, but I can't stop seeing the bad. Each generation, we know that it becomes less and less calm. But as I was talking with Dad and Glenn, and I was starting to think that actually, it doesn't change. The number of raw Christians, utter real Christians, plays about 10% throughout humanity the entire generation. The number of fake people, it becomes less and less common because why would you claim that title if all you're going to do is lose your life? Why would you claim that? So as, as the present day gets more and more into the future, we're going to be exposed to more and more utter raw Christians. 
this entire church. It would be hard to find a fake one now because it's not worth it. Okay. Luckily, we are all blessed to attend a church that not only teaches the deep stuff, the deep stuff, we dissect the Bible down to the verses to fully understand what God commands of us. We are blessed to have more depth in our knowledge and have an underlying love for the Lord because of how blessed we are. How privileged we are to be part of our Father's congregation. So grateful for that. But I get tested. Oh, but when I get tested in this new sinner's world, I can stand strong because I've had a firm past in the Lord. Now I've thrown a lot of information. I've thrown a lot of information and views at you, but it's important to find that little nugget of information that everything has to boil down to. In this common age and day, our older generations can't use the same techniques and teachings that they used 50 to 60 years ago. Life as we know it has changed, and not for the better. We need to be aware that the enemy is trying his hardest to get to us. He's knocking at the door, people, and we can't let him in. Matthew 7, 1, 16 talks about removing the log in your own eyes before pointing out the speck in the others. And I feel that that's sometimes overlooked. This day and age, we can't give people any more material to use against us. We have to keep to ourselves. We need to keep ourselves on the straight and narrow, and that's possibly the hardest thing that you can do. You keep yourself saved and your family saved, then you've achieved something that millions of others have. Protect yourself better, and others will follow in your example. I'm going to pass it on to Liam now, and he'll finish us out, and he'll pray. Good luck with I love how you like think you're not going to get nervous, and then you get up here and you're like, it's like, yeah, I'm not nervous. All right. Thank you, Aiden. That was really good. Um, I appreciate it. Um, so my message uh, this year is mainly focusing on the idea of culture worship versus the Bible's worship, and my goal for this message is to take our culture-inspired ideas of worship and rethink them, um, and to bring the biblical lies, or I mean, the, to bring the lies of our culture and what the world has fed us, and return to a biblical understanding of worship and what the the Lord has told us um, to turn away from the words of men and to turn towards the uh, words of the Lord, um, and what worship should truly look like in our everyday lives. And you don't hear types of messages like on, on worship very often these days, um, but they're, they're so important in the Christian life to rethink uh, like important commandments of the Lord and what the, the culture is widely promoting. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2 say, um, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Our minds have to be renewed, and we must constantly take every action of the church and every action that's in our personal lives and hold it up to the light of Scripture. And whatever does not line up with Scripture is to be cast out of our lives as an act of worship to the Lord. 
as an act saying, Lord, I know what the world says, and I know what that this and that and the other, and they're all just all these opinions, Lord, but I will throw them away and focus on what you have commanded me. Um, so I, I sidetracked a little bit, but we're going to go to our core text, which is uh, Luke 4, 5 through 8, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And by the way, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, 1995 translation. Um, the context of this is Jesus has gone away into the wilderness um, and is being tempted by Satan. And so uh, he comes and he, and he says these things to him. Um, and he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this dom- domain and its glory, and it is, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whoever I want. Therefore, if you worship me, it shall be yours. Jesus replied to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What Jesus said was, a direct, was directly quoted from Deuteronomy. So we're going to go ahead and go to Deuteronomy 6, 13 through 15. All right. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you, or who is in your midst is a jealous God. So follow him, or else the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. Worship is a direct command here, as in, if you want to follow me, this is how you will serve me. But yet in the modern day church, nobody is talking about this, or hardly anybody is. Um, You would think one of the Lord's commands would be something important that needs to be talked about, but it rarely is. And we can't just skip around this. The commandment of the Lord is clearly given. And we must understand what it is exactly that the Lord has commanded us and strive with all of our might to do it. Not for some legalistic view or some sort of earning of our salvation. And our culture is so twisted that every time someone comes to a pulpit or or speaks out telling people to do something or follow a command or to, to strive with all their heart and everyone cries legalism. And why do they do this? Because it gives them comfort. And they, they have this idea that I don't have to do anything because I'm not trying to earn anything. But Paul didn't get shipwrecked or half stoned to death or put in jail multiple times because he was trying to earn something from the Lord. He did it because of his love for the Father and his thankfulness for, for what he had done for him, for that, his, uh, that he had been forgiven of his sins and that he had, his life had been changed and turned around and that he served the Lord and he loved him. His love for the Lord was what compelled him, not his desire to, to somehow make himself right through his own acts of, or these, these works. Uh, now, before I get sidetracked uh, too, uh, too far, uh, or before we begin our attack on the modern-day worship ideas, we need to look at the history of the worship service and uh, how it's gotten to where it is today. Because we've had music in the church for a really long time now. I mean, we've had pianos, we've had hymns, we have choirs, stuff like that. And how did it get to where it is today? Because we are definitely in more of a modern age for, uh, for in our instruments, just like electric guitars, uh, drum sets, um, just all sorts of fancy new stuff that's entered into uh, into the church worship service. Um, the big shift for this all occurred around 
the later 1960s and 70s when we had uh, the big Jesus People movement, um, which included a lot of, uh, or we also had a big uprising in the hippie culture, um, and we there was this, and wrapped up in this was a uh, whole new shift in music genres and uh, so much uh, evolution in the just the way that instruments were being played or the styles of music. Okay, um, but so this like caught really just literally people started bringing their guitars into to church and uh, and that's kind of how it got to where it was. The more modern instruments uh, just drifted into uh, the church that we have today and that's how uh, we've gotten to con Christian contemporary music which is widely exploded around the world um, and has I think it has done a lot of good um, in spreading God's word but also has done a lot of harm by exchanging truth for uh, attractive words or um, just uh, soft teaching um, and sadly a lot of uh, the music is tied in with places like um, now a lot of people aren't going to like this but Bethel and Hillsong Church um, both are extremely similar churches and uh, both are very large publishers of modern-day Christian contemporary music. Uh, these churches promote many heresies, such as the little gods theology, which is the idea that since we are made in God's image, we are these little gods. Um, there is the prosperity gospel, the teaching that God's will for your life is health, wealth, and a happy life. Promoting many false teachers, such as Todd White, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jake, Stephen Furtick, and many more. And the modalism heresy, which is a heresy on the Trinity, um, that God has different modes in, uh, in different times. Like, sometimes he's the Father, sometimes he's the Son, and sometimes he's the Spirit. But he's not all of them at the same time. He just kind of selects what he wants to be. Um, and, and then there's, we could get really down to the weeds of it, but... Um, there's some seriously disturbing teaching of uh, spiritual gifts and uh, things like that. Like they have this uh, idea of what's called grave sucking, where they, uh, if you lay on the grave of a spiritual or super holy person, somehow you'll obtain this this uh, gift or something from the ground, which we as Christians should know is nothing but dust under us, and the gifts come from God. They are not from the past people who have died and passed them on from, it's just downright creepy. Um, <laughs> and then we have a lot of individual artists uh, like Warren Daigle, who's uh, gone on tours um, with Mormon cults and uh, promoted Mormon teaching. And when asked what her opinion was on same-sex relationships, uh, she said she couldn't say because she didn't want to she didn't want to offend her friends by speaking the truth. Um, and then we have uh, Lecrae, which this one's upset me a lot because I uh, a lot of this stuff like started in a good place. But he's uh, especially with when a lot of this race stuff came along, and we had these big, uh, very violent like race movements. Uh, he jumped in with a lot of those groups that were supporting things like violence or. Um, he jumped in with Black Lives Matter, uh, refused to speak against same-sex marriage relationships or abortion. Um, he kind of plays both sides on that. Um, so it's just very hard to get what they're at, where they're at with, um, with these arguments because they want to talk about them. They want to 
see the, the main media and they want to have their big videos about what is God's side, and then they don't explain at all. <laughs> um, now there's just, just too much to get into with this subject, but uh, these are a lot of our main influencers for uh, the Christian contemporary music world. Um, and we need to research and realize who we're supporting and, uh, and what these artists stand for and promote. Many people are offended when people are called out for things like this. Um, and when people repent and turn away from supporting these evil things, we are to forgive them and, and, come, and bring them in. But while they're supporting these ideas that go directly against the word of God, we are not to take any part or side with them. And we are to separate from the things of the world. Why? Because once again, that's because the Lord says so. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what, partner, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? And then, or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what, and, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? I did not have that one in my notes. I just wrote it down last minute. So, I had to read off the screen. Um, There's more? <laughs> okay. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and I will dwell within them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. But why are few, so few pastors or almost nobody talking about this? Um, it, or what worship is supposed to be. I'm so sick and tired of hearing ideas that we need worship or we need music for worship. Um, and yes, music through worship through music is biblical if you especially if you read Psalms, it's everywhere. Um, but but if it were the the key point, the most essential thing for worship, then tell me what band toured with Jesus? Which <laughs> which disciple played what instrument? Did Peter play the guitar? You would think something as important as musical worship would be all over the New Testament, right? But it's not. You'll hardly find anything about music in the New Testament. I'm not saying that in any way that we need to turn away from these, uh, from the, the worship service in the church um, or the or music. It's it. I'm not at all saying that. Um, what I'm trying to say is that we have such a twisted view of of what biblical worship is. Um, and we need to, to stop uh, taking things that are, like words that are nice and that sound better and more attractive, and that we, when we start to worship the words and the music more than we worship the God that it's supposed to be for, then we have a serious problem. And, and what we've done as human beings, is we, is, as sinful, evil, and fallen human beings, is we've taken the Word of God and what God has declared to be worship, and we've perverted it and stripped away the beauty and holiness of worship of the one true God, and we've blended it with our world, and we've turned it into something for ourselves, for our pleasure, for our selfish ambition. And every time we do this, we say before God, you're not enough, Lord. I know you've saved me from my sin, and you've forgiven me more times than I can count, and you've given me a new heart and a new spirit, but none of it's enough. How petty are we that we've taken our eyes so far away from the Lord and praising Him in every aspect of our lives. We've turned worship into something that we only do on Sunday, and we've made it all, and even then we've made it all about ourselves. 
filling places with with smoke machines or uh, or turning up the volume even higher and higher um, in in having all these words that 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 just please us that are Lord you've done all this because for me because I'm so amazing and wonderful or some sort of uplifting message telling people they're good enough which is the most disgusting and condemning message you could ever give someone is that they're good enough because this has nothing to do with you or me this is for God alone and who he is period and how do we apply this how do we see an example of this I'll tell you the greatest act of worship that the world has ever seen was through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who lived a life of perfect sinlessness. And and when temptations called him and begged him to fall, he said, no, I submit to my Father. Over and over again, he said, I will do the will of my Father, and his name alone is the one that I serve. We get to see... Uh, and witness through God's word the greatest act of worship the world has ever seen. A man saying, Father, I will do your will, and I'll do it even if it kills me, even if I have to be beaten and mocked and nailed to a piece of wood, only to finally be crushed by your holy and perfect justice that the sin of men of this world deserve. Father, I will do it. And this isn't enough. The saving grace of our Father, his patience with us, his holiness and perfect truth, and love and justice. Worship is not just music that we sing on Sundays. Though in done submitting to the will of the Father, it can be a great act of worship. But the greatest act of worship that we can give is our life. And no, I'm not saying you have to be some great evangelist to go die in the jungle, though it's a very noble act of worship. I'm talking about submitting to God, dying to ourselves daily, saying, Lord, I submit to your will and submit to what you have commanded me to do through your word. And even if it is not what I want to do or what I desire to do, I will do your will. Whether it brings me embarrassment or physical or emotional pain, or even if it brings me death, Lord, I am committed to you and I will serve you. A man or a woman broke living in in just constant brokenness of their sin and constant repentance before the Lord is worshipped. Someone traveling around the world to bring the light of the word to the world, constantly putting their life on the line is worship. A father who wakes early to spend time in prayer and in the words that he will know how he should lead his family in godliness is worship. A woman who spends her life taking care of her children and raising them in love and discipline and godliness, even when it drives her absolutely insane, and she feels like losing her mind is submitting to the will of God and is worship. Our lives are to be as a service of worship to the Lord until we die and go to be with him. And then we will worship him for the rest of eternity, seeing his name, doing his will, and seeing his face. Now I want to close with, with the last um, Luke nine twenty three through 24. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If anyone has any questions about anything that I've said today, um, I'm happy to talk to you, or, or Glenn, happy to uh, anybody is just, um, if you have any need of, of counseling or uh, just 
if you need to know what you need to do or you just need direction, someone will point you to the right person or um, you can you can find almost anywhere in this room. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, pray and close our service. Heavenly Father, we come before you as broken and sinful and fallen people, justified by the blood of your Son alone. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We praise you for all that you are, Father, your steadfast love and your perfect justice, for your mercy and patience with us. Father, I pray for uh, all the people in this room. Father, I pray that, that you would break our hearts with the weight of our sin, Lord. I pray that all would come to repentance. Father, conform us all more, all the more to the, to the image of your perfect Son. Let our lives be a living sacrifice and worship to you as we go into our everyday lives, Father. Father, we, we love you and, and we praise you. Father, I, um, I pray as the, we take the offering, Lord, um, Father, that your will would be done, Lord, with the, whatever is given today, Lord. It is all in your hands, Father. Um, Father, help us to, to submit to whatever you would have us do, Lord, to, to listen, to pray and meditate on, on your word, Father. Um, Father, we, we praise you for that we may come before you in prayer, Lord, and that we um, are about to come and, and sing a song of worship to you, Lord. Um, Father, I just praise you for um, and thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room, Lord. In the name of your holy and perfect Son, Jesus Christ, I pray.